Hey, Riveted, how are ya? It's the second week in March. Can you believe you've done eight of these things, Jason? I know, that's crazy. I can't believe it. Time is flying by, man. It is. We're having a lot of fun. I'm Joel, and that was Jason that you just heard from. Today, we're going to have a, a lot of fun talking to you guys, letting you kind of get some insights into our world as board game fanatics. So, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're doing this new bumper thing now, so it throws, it throws me off a little. So, okay, I'm thinking here, we've got news, but before we do that, we should just we should have some banter, right? We yeah. should have some zany, zany banter right <laughs> here at the top. That, that's probably true, yes. Let's do that. No, I uh, I do want to say thank you. Uh, we we are still doing the fundraiser, and a couple people have responded. So I'm going to put that right at the top of the show before we even get to news. Friendraiser, tag a friend on our on our Facebook page. Also, we have a group now, which I hear is easier for people to post into, uh, called the Riveted. So if you look for the hashtag the Riveted group, uh, it's a closed group. But membership's really easy. Yeah. Just say you want to join, and we'll let you in. So, <laughs> yep, that's true. Anyway, uh, enough with the zany banter, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll move on to something else here. So, Jason, what do we have in news this week? All right. Um, so, first thing I want to start with is a game that's on Kickstarter right now. And it's called Sword Crafters. Um, ah. And the designer is actually going to be doing an interview with us here within the next couple of days. So that's pretty exciting, too. But I was going to say, we have kind of a special interest in this one, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes. So there'll be more that come on that later. But essentially, this is an I Split You Choose game, kind of like that New York Slice game. Or um, there was a pie game, pizza, pizza pie, or whatever, you know, where yeah. you pick... you. Put the pieces in player. There's a pile for each player, and then you take what you want, and someone else takes what they want, so on and so forth. And you're trying to do that to make the best sword possible. And you turn these two deep, these two dimensional pieces into a 3D sword, and it's going to have four different sides. And you're trying to match up colors on each side for points and stuff. It seems pretty cool. Like an, uh, it's like a it's a tile laying game, kind of, but it's also like a building game. So I'm kind of interested in that. Yeah, there's two really interesting things. I've only seen photos of this. I don't know anything about gameplay, so I'm looking forward to your interview with the uh, designer. But the uh, the pictures I've seen, the one thing that really surprises me is this game's 29 bucks. Like yeah. it seems like there's a lot of chunky, woody plastic pieces that are building these swords. So that's, that's, that's interesting true. to me. Yeah, it's supposed to. I think the Kickstarter said it would be delivering in September too of this year, which is pretty quick. That's ambitious. So yeah, yeah. that's that's impressive if if that happens. Huh. Um, and then like that whole, I split, you decide to pick thing that I think comes from anybody who had like a, like brother when they grew up, like, <laughs> yeah, or sister, you know, mom and dad would say, well, why don't you divide it and the other one pick? And that's a game mechanic. You're, you're starting to see it. You're right. It's getting becoming more like a popular thing. I know it's with some, uh, like, I forget what the name of the game is, but there's a game with like, you have face cards or not face cards, but you have cards and, and you deal them into two hands and the other person picks. So you're like, yeah, that whole trying to make things equal, but like trying to entice the other guy with something that might get him to pick it while you secretly want something else that you put in the other pile. It's, it's kind of fun. It's an interesting mechanic for sure. Right. The only game I have that does that, I think, is Hanamakoji, which is a cool like, um, it has beautiful Asian artwork and it's really pretty. And it's only a portion of it. So I don't even have a whole game that... 
does that, which is interesting. Yeah, I've never really played that mechanic either. I just know it from like, there's one piece of pizza left, mom. Well, let me cut the other one pick. So, and that was a fun game, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> you get the crust, I get the rest. Yes, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm and like, uh, I guess it's kind of neat. You're going to be interviewing the designer uh, next week, so look for that. Uh, and we've got some really awesome interviews lined up. I mean, awesome interviews. So. I honestly think we might be the home of amazing board game interviews, like after we get all these interviews up. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, let's hope. That would be cool. Yeah, I just got a message from someone today who I'm pretty pumped about, but more to come on that in a month or so. Well, and I guess that's, this is as good a time as any, Jason, for us to kind of announce where we're looking at this show going. We've been doing the feature show, which this is a feature show where we talk about something in our libraries or we talk about, you know, a, a review or a top five list or something. And that's when our, what we call our longer episodes. And then we do our filler every other week episodes. Well, in those off weeks, I think we're going to start having some interviews starting next week. So um, pretty cool. There's no such thing as a short show anymore. So <laughs> right. um, well, I don't know there ever really was, but I think that's I think pretty one, cool. So, I think one was yeah. kind of short once. <laughs> a little. Like it was like four <laughs> minutes shorter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's exciting. Um, this also, This next piece of news is also exciting. And Dinosaur Island is back from extinction and it's back on Kickstarter. And that is exciting to you, I think, because I already have yeah. the game. So it's not as exciting to me, but it should be exciting to you. The most exciting thing is the expansion has Paul Blart on the cover of it. I don't know <laughs> if you noticed that or not. Yeah, after you posted that on Facebook, I saw it. And it really does look like Paul Blart. That's really funny. I uh, <laughs> I dropped a less than subtle hint to my wife saying, hey, honey, my birthday is like a few weeks after this is supposed to deliver. You want to talk about aggressive delivery dates, though. I mean, I know they already did a print run, so it's totally feasible. Right. They're saying July 18 for the deluxe editions to come out. And then I think it was like November for the expansion and uh, Dulasaur, which is Dulasaur. I think they only have digital renderings of that game at this point. So Yeah, that's what it looked like. I think, I mean, I don't know. They weren't super late on the first one. I think the first one was supposed to arrive in like, I don't remember, September of 17. And it started going out maybe in December. I don't know. So it wasn't that, too that bad. sounds right. I think actually they probably already had them printed and now they're just trying to pre-order it. That's what it's, that would be my guess. Yeah, that's a probably a good guess, honestly. Now, the Extreme Edition, I don't know. How much did you research this, Jason? I looked at it. I gave it a one fuzz better than cursory viewing. The Extreme, the new Extreme, uh, Dinosaur Island Extreme, just looks like they're basically doing what the old Deluxe Edition was. Um, so you get like the slap bracelet for first player marker and you get the different shapes of dinosaurs. Yeah. It's a different slap bracelet than before. And the coins are a little thinner. I think that's the only difference. Huh? And then the stretch goals, they, this is crazy. So the first dinosaur Island Kickstarter in total did $500,000. This one's at three ninety as of the time of this recording, by the time you're listening to it, I'm sure it's in well in excess of 500,000. So yeah, it's, it's nuts. Especially if my wife got the less than subtle hint that she should back it for me. So, <laughs> yeah, I thought I, the only thing I want from this is the upgrade pack, which is like the cool dino meeples and the little beakers for your scientist and the coins. But I can't get that without backing something right. else. So that's going to put it all like 75 bucks. And that's, I didn't even pay that much for the base game. So I'm not about to do that. 
Well, it's an add-on, which means you have to buy something from the Kickstarter to add it on, which kind of stinks. Yeah. So if only he had a good friend that could add it on because he's kickstarting <laughs> extreme or something. So <laughs> yeah, if only. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> talk, talk to my wife, I guess. I don't know. Uh, from from your subtle hand, it looks like you just might be going to Olive Garden. That's, <laughs> that's that is what, what she looks posted. like. <laughs> so so we'll see. <laughs> if you're not on hashtag the riveted board, you're missing out on all these amazing inside jokes. So, uh, and I'm sorry you had to listen to the last minute of us talking about an inside joke you weren't in on, but shame on you for not being on the riveted, I guess. I don't know. Right. So. Uh, all right. So the last game I want to talk about is actually a miniatures game, which is, should be surprising to everyone. Um, and that is the Harry Potter miniatures game that was just announced, I think last week, officially. And this was has some controversy around it because the price point was like three hundred bucks, I think. Ooh. And then and then they adjusted it down, I think, to one twenty. And that's just for like uh the base game and I think like six minis or something. And then every other add on mini pack is like twenty five to thirty bucks. So by the time you're all in, you're looking at I don't know, four hundred dollars. It's insane. I wonder why there are Chinese companies bootlegging these games. Like Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, I don't support that necessarily because I think these guys work hard to try and do it. But at the same time, I don't support – it's your big gripe too on Kickstarter, Jason. I know that like just throw minis in it and people will buy it. Like I think people – there needs to be an adjustment with people and it will happen eventually as the hobby is not growing as much. People will become more discerning on what they spend money on, I think. Like I really wanted to back the Batman – Conan Batman monolith game. Right. I really wanted to. And I, I, I don't even know if it's closed yet, but I decided not to. I said, man, I, I don't know. My taste in games is changing enough that I'm not so into dungeon crawls and combat warfare boards. I love Batman, but I decided I just, I'm not going to do it. It's not worth it. I'm not going to buy, you know, I don't know, a hundred bucks worth of plastic for 300 bucks i mean like and it's not even 100 bucks worth of plastic you know right, i mean i know right. they've got to have artists design that stuff and there's a lot of work behind it before you get to like whatever about it but at the same time i don't know man the game should be good enough that i'd want to buy it if there were standees in it you know so i think too many games are relying on miniatures to sell the product unfortunately and i, I wonder if this harry potter game's the same way or not I don't think this was on Kickstarter, though, which is a little different. I think this is just getting printed. Oh, got it. But, I mean, still, it's the same model. Who's putting you, this out? They're called, like, Night Night Models, like, K-N-I-G-H-T, so, like, a night. I'm pretty sure that's what it is, Night Models or something like that. I just looked it up before I we started recording, but I can't remember now. I kind of like it better if it's just, like, Night Models, like, the time of day is the night. Oh, yeah. Like, bow, bow, Night <laughs> Models. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's that kind of models. <laughs> Harry Potter after dark. Anyway. <laughs> Man, we've gone after dark twice. That's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. Well, uh, I I mean, honestly, um, I don't know. It's I, I thought it was on Kickstarter immediately because 300 bucks. I mean, who does that retail? I guess nobody. Maybe Games Workshop. I don't know. So Yeah, that's true. They probably do do that. I'm I'm not a Harry Potter fan, so this one doesn't even tempt me, um, and it wouldn't anyway otherwise. Because I figure 300 bucks is like 10 games that I could experience that I would really love, or oh, yeah. some miniatures that I could paint and stick on a shelf and For maybe sure. play with sometimes. Yeah, I so. totally agree. I kind of interested because I really like Harry Potter, but then again, it has miniatures, so I'm automatically out. But it's a theme I kind of dig because I like Harry Potter. But 
The only exciting Harry Potter thing I'm looking forward to is uh, Pokemon Go tricked me into exercising like last summer. <laughs> and I'm, I'm hoping the new Harry Potter Go or whatever they call it game does the same thing for me. That's but awesome. That's, that, I don't know if you've seen that or not, but Niantic, the company that made Pokemon Go, is doing a Harry Potter game, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't so seen that. So that's not a board game, but It's still a game. Know. Yeah, it's a game. <laughs> so that's, that's about it for the news, it seems. I know the big one was Dinosaur Island. Yes. Uh, did, did anybody see this coming that they were going to do another Kickstarter or was this kind of out of nowhere? Uh, they've been posting random stuff on their Facebook, like pictures of the deluxe components with like really weird phrases and then yeah. some ran- random number at the end that's the Kickstarter ID number. So, uh, yeah, they've been alluding to it for a couple weeks, but they didn't when say you anything. When you talked about Dulasaur a couple weeks ago. On that's true. Too. Yeah, that's true. Which Duelasword looks like, honestly, like Seven Wonders Duel version of the game almost. I don't know. It's like, do you put the cards under your board kind of thing? And like the court cards have, the dinosaur cards have like quite a bit more on them, it seems like, and stuff, which is, I don't know. It's it's kind of a cool looking system. It looks like they get a lot of the original gameplay flavor in that game with two players. Yeah, I'd be interested in playing it. I think Kim is going to back it, so I'll probably get to play it. So that's cool. That's always the way to go. Get yeah. your friends who are dual income, no children type people to <laughs> back those risky Kickstarters while you just uh, enjoy being the family man, I guess. Yep. So. <laughs> well, cool. Well, hey, good news, Jason. Thank you. Uh, that was your news. Jason, what did you play this last week? All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is role player because I finally played that game. That's awesome. I, I know your wife played my copy at a meetup that we had and enjoyed it. Um, and then did, did someone in your group had a copy? Yeah, we had, uh, I invited some people over that I haven't gamed with before and they came over and he brought his copy and I played it with him, Katie and Jim and we had a great time and I loved it and it makes Sagrada look like child's play. This game yeah. is so much better than that game. I, I agree. I think the only thing Sagrada does uh, that this game doesn't do is the spatial element that you're doing more of the placement on the map because you don't have a ton of choice on placement because you kind of yeah. fills from you know left to right. Right, but that's true. I, I think that said, the overall like I don't know the theme isn't totally there, but if you ever played like Dungeons and Dragons or something, you can feel the theme a little bit. Uh, this game, but I also think that there's just so much more going on. So like those cards that you can get that are skill cards out of the market that you can spend alignment points to use and just all the different uh, set collection and things that you can get in in uh, role player. And then you combine that with the fact that every time you place a die in one of your categories, you get to like do some kind of action that that all those things to me more than make up for the fact there's no spatial element to it. Like there's in Sagrada. So I, I definitely agree with you, Jason. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I like Sagrada. I'll play it. And I it, I agree. It's more of a puzzle for sure because you can't put certain numbers next to certain numbers and colors next to colors. But I do like that I have more flexibility to manipulate things in role player. Yeah. What uh, class did you play? Do you remember? Um, I was a wizard, scoundrel, uh, and I don't remember the third thing. Yeah. A, a scoundrel wizard. Yeah, I don't remember what the race was. Yeah. And the race is kind of the important thing because that's where your dice get like buffed with a plus or a negative two. So 
Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, well, and then she got the market thing too, which is pretty cool. Um, I think my big thing was Sagrada when I played it. I played Sagrada after I played role player. I guess a lot of people did that. Um, I was just a little let down because it had such hype. Like, oh man, dice placement and drafting, this is amazing. And I was like, right. I've done this with role player, so okay. <laughs> and and then um, I don't know. I guess the thing that was really disappointing with me in Sagrada after playing role player is in role player you're allowed to manipulate those dice so much like every oh, yeah. time you put a die in you manipulate something yep. whereas in Sagrada you might get to use one of those tools twice yeah. um, if you're lucky <laughs> if you're the first person to do it yeah <laughs> right so I, I felt like man there needs to be I don't know there just needs to be I think Sagrada was made in a way too that it was just they were trying to make a like like Entry level gateway game type thing, but then I think they might have an expansion in the works. Like it just feels like there's room for an expansion in that game that might make it more complete. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that for sure. Fun fact about Sagrada: I put my copy up for trade on Board Game Geek, and I get like four trade offers a day right now, and they're all <laughs> for terrible things. Like I'm, I'm like, sure. No thanks. Are you sure you don't want to trade Sagrada for a copy of Gloom? Like most of the cards are still there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny well hey talk about something else jason because i'm gonna i'm long-winded anyway but i'm gonna talk about my last game like a ton because it was amazing so talk right. about something else jason sounds good um i also played yesterday actually last night heaven and ale and that game is phenomenal really yeah so okay the whole premise of the game is your start you have five different colored tokens which represent like a good there are five goods that you're trying to make, to collect to make beer. So, so you you have all these goods, and you start in, like, negative points. So you have one down in, like, negative 12 all the way up to, like, negative 3. You have to manipulate all those tokens up into positive territory because you get scored based on your lowest token. So if you move one up really far, but you have one in the negative, you're getting zero points for the whole entire game. So you spent four rounds doing all this stuff, and you may not get any points at all. Huh. So, so you're really working on picking up pieces to put on your board to go. If they, if it goes on the sunny side, you can, that's the side you use to manipulate your pieces up the board. And if it goes on your shaded side, that's how you get money to be able to buy other pieces. And then you're also trying to, uh, to get to these certain spots on the track, on the turn order track, kind of that's cause that's how you move and pick up pieces to, to get these barrels that are like end of game goal cards. So we played four rounds last night, and the high score was, I think, like 24. So it's a punishingly hard game and punishingly tight game. Yes. So I get that's like your kind of game for sure. Oh, oh yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. But I guess the thing I don't – I mean, this game, it looks – I mean, it's got all the right things going on for it. It's got the right designer. The right company published it. And I've just not been one to jump at it yet because when I look at it, it looks like, okay, there's an oval where I move like a pawn around a little bit. And then there's like a bunch of hexes where I put these little tiles on there and then the tiles interact and do different things based on where they're at is my understanding of the game. And I mean, like that might be a big part of the game or a part of how the game works, or I might be totally wrong, but it just doesn't seem like it would be that engaging to me. So it's, I don't know, it's something I guess maybe I need to play. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is you're probably going to activate any tile you put on your board, maybe a maximum of three times. Hmm. Because you can activate it with a monk, you can activate it with this other ability, and then you can activate it once you surround like uh, an area of like eight. 
you get this uh, village or something that goes in the middle and it lets you activate a couple of them. So there's only, I think I activated one of them like maybe three times. All the rest of them I maybe activated once. That's that's pretty crazy. Like it feels, I don't know. It's interesting you like it so much because I don't think you're the only one who struggled to explain why it's good. I think it's one of those games you just have to experience to understand it. Like, I don't know. I think I had the same time, same hard time explaining like Carcassonne back when I really enjoyed that game. Like it's a game where you take a cardboard tile and then you put it down. <laughs> And if it's the right situation, you put a wooden man on it. Like, I don't (laughs) know. And it's Carcassonne's not amazing anymore to me. Like, it's something I'll play with people who are like, oh, I want to play this game. And I still have a copy. But I don't know. I think maybe the same thing's true with Heaven and Nail. Like, it's just it's better than the sum of its mechanics, you know. So I don't know. I'm glad to hear you like it. Yeah, I think I actually think you would like it, too. It it seems not fun, but it is super fun. The whole, the whole game is just a puzzle and you're trying so hard to just get all those stupid pieces up into the positive points so you can at least get a point at the end of the game. <laughs> it, is it like crazy. anything else you've played? Uh, the movement's like Takedo. So the board functions the same way where if you go past a spot, you can't go back. Um, but outside of that, I mean, not really. It's it's its, huh. own, it's its own beast for sure. That's really great that it's something new, you know? I... Uh... I love that. I mean, it's not new mechanisms, but the way the mechanisms are put together are interesting. And starting your players off in negative points is kind of new, I guess. Having to move up into positive points to get points. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. Well, the, the way how the tiles interact with each other almost is like suburbia to me a little bit, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Just, no, not not really. Yeah, huh. it's, it looks like it, but no, not really. Huh. Yeah, I... Uh, I think I need to play this one at some point when uh, we all get together again. But it's for sure. It's one that man, I just I I want to like it. I really do. I just haven't found a way to be like, "Yep, that's the one I want." So, all right. Anything else on Heaven or Nail, Jason? Nope, just don't judge it by its cover. Just give it a shot. Oh, the cover's you'll, amazing. You'll I think the cover looks awesome. It's the back true. of the box that I'm judging it by. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right. I played a Ryan Lockett game this weekend with my son. Um, we've played near and far in only arcade mode, which is like the one hitter with a deck of cards and not really the book of encounters thing. And so we started doing a campaign um, and it went really well. I really enjoyed it. I, I remember that game uh, being a little light in the mechanics and it's it is a little light mechanically, but it's got just enough cool things going on with it. It's the best balance of a storytelling game combined with an actual game that I've played. Um, there are definitely mechanics to it. And the way how the Book of Encounters works is like, I don't know. It's no more like breaking of the game or influencing of the game than like Scythe with the Encounters is. But at the same time, it is a big part of the game because there really is a story that's kind of coming together. And there's three ways you can play it. There's character mode. There is campaign mode and there's arcade mode. And I think character mode is more about like your character's development throughout the story. Like you go on specific quests just for your character and there's like a specific story for your character, which I kind of in hindsight might have thought to do that instead. Then there's campaign mode where it's all about how this world is the way it is and like why it's the way it is. And you get more and more of the story revealed as you play it. And then arcade mode is obviously just like, hey, you've either played through the whole book or you just are playing a one hitter with some people who may not want to play this game forever. So... I um, really enjoyed playing that. It's my 
personal favorite Red Raven game. Um, a really good game. It's got worker placement. It's got like kind of route building. Um, and it's it's got that thing of like, and I think, I don't know, I'm sure lots of games did it before Terra Mystica, but Terra Mystica is the first game I really remember of it. Where like when you put a piece off your board onto the other board or moved it, it unlocked something else for you and uh, like helped with like scoring. So it's got the same thing with this, with the tents. Like as you put these tents out on your route, like it uncovers more symbols and stuff for you to get more rewards. Um, kind of a neat game, near and far. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I think of all of his games, that's the one that I kind of want to check out because it seems the most interesting to me. Yeah, I, I think that or Above and Below would be good for you too. I think Above and Below is one that, I mean, honestly, I kind of think in five years, people will still be talking about both these games. And I think they'll be talking about them more equally than they are right now. I think Above and Below came out and people took that game as an encounters game. And then another encounters game came out with better encounters and a better encounter mechanism. Right. Um, but Above and Below is a better game mechanically in my mind. Um, just the way how it works with the scoring and how you're trying to do like set collection and things. There's more beefy mechanics to Above and Below than there is to Near and Far. So I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting for you to, to try either one. I'll tell you this. You would definitely like Near and Far or Above and Below better than Empires of the Void. Uh, well, for sure. well, yeah, for sure. I mean, Empire <laughs> of the Void's in space, and we know how I feel about that. Allergic. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My son said it's in his top five games, by the way, after playing it. So he liked it way better than, I mean, this was his first play. He liked it way better than Empires of the Void. So Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good game. And it, <laughs> we played it on Sunday night, and he normally hates playing games on Sunday nights because... His time for the weekend's running out. He wants to, you know, have one last chance to, you know, watch an episode of The Simpsons or something, which is like a very old fashioned sentence, but it's very true. My son still watches <laughs> The Simpsons. So, um, so I mean, like, I, he was kind of half quarter sulking when I first started playing. I was like, listen, man, we're playing this game and you can either decide that you're going to have a good time or you can sulk through it and not have a good time. And he did a really nice adjustment and had a good time playing it. So, uh, cool. it's just, it's a fun game. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll have to check it out because I haven't played any of his games and I probably need to play one. Yeah, I think Artifacts Incorporated might be one you like too. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think he has a bad game, honestly. Um, I would say the closest thing to a bad game he has is the first Empires of the Void just because it was so riddled with like errata and stuff and it was his right. first game. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. You know what's cool about Ryan Lockett I found out, by the way? Um, he was an artist for um, Dominion. So, like, his art's on a bunch of Dominion cards. I did hear that, yeah, which is weird. So, like, the adventurer is his art, like, on there, and it doesn't look anything like his style, so. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, cool. All right, uh, the next game I played, we actually played this for an upcoming review, and that is Village Pillage from Jellybean. Yeah. Um, So, basically, this is a simple little card game. You start out with a hand of four cards, one of every color. There's four colors. Um, you're taking a card from your hand and you're playing it to the neighbor on your right and you're playing it to the neighbor on your left. They're doing the same. And then you flip it. And then certain colors um, uh, interact with other colors. So you may be able to steal some turnips from the other player or gain some turnips from the bank or put some turnips into your vault. And then, or you may be able to buy a relic because you want to be the first person to buy three relics. And whoever does that is the winner. So in our game, Katie won. She was the first person to get three relics. 
Is it a pretty light game? Medium? I, I'm uh, trying to get a sense of... Yeah, it's pretty light. I mean, the decisions are minimal. I mean, you're just trying to make sure you're playing... You want to play a card that interacts with all the other colors. Because sometimes if you play a card and someone else plays a, a color that that card doesn't interact with, you get to do nothing. So that really bites because you're basically wasting half your turn because you didn't get to take any turn-ups or do anything because they played a card that didn't interact with yours. So, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I think everybody enjoyed it, actually, and it was a good game, and I'd be interested to see how it looks with complete art and what it'll look like after the Kickstarter's done. The the pictures you put up made it look like it was more of a game than I thought it was going to be, um, honestly. So, I don't know. It, it looks kind of interesting. It, you know... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this game or not. Uh, what's it called? Dragonwood? Dragon something? A game right game that came out last year. Oh, yeah. I've uh, heard of it. I haven't played it, but I've heard of it. It's like made for like... It's made to be a game, like a game game, but it's also like made to be kind of the thing that you can engage younger kids in. Right. So I don't know. I kind of thought this was going to kind of be the same thing maybe. And I'll, it kind of sounds a little like that, but it sounds more like it's just kind of a casual, fun little card game almost too. Yeah, I don't know. It- I mean, I could see like a, an eight or nine year old playing this probably and being okay because there's literally only like four things to happen when you play a card. You either steal stuff, gain stuff for the bank, nothing happens, or you get to buy a relic or buy a card. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not complicated. There's one picture that is a little buxom that <laughs> maybe some kids may not want to look at, but outside of that, it's it's pretty family friendly. <laughs> that was a great word choice there. <laughs> yeah uh cool uh and it's kind of fun that you're like one of maybe 100 people who's played this game at this point so yeah that's that's true yeah yeah you have to get your video review up with katie and and yourself and whoever so they can put it on their kickstarter preview page that's always fun yep Yep. yeah we did uh luke and i did the same thing for marrying mr darcy which was like kind of like one of the more fun things we ever did when we were reviewing games but that's a cool game too so yeah i like that game it's fun. Didn't play it this week, though. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I did. So I, I can't talk about it anymore right now. Uh, the last <laughs> game I'm going to talk about is arguably my favorite game I've played for the first time in like a long time. Um, and I don't know if it'll hold up over time, but Black Orchestra, I played this game and it's just so good. It... Um, this is going to sound crazy, Jason, but the first time I played King of Tokyo, like I was so enthralled by like the like get get each other back and forth dice rolling fun element of that that right. I played like four rounds of it in a row. And then I went to bed <laughs> that night and it was at, like it was at like a family Christmas or something. And there were people that were going to be around. It was actually when my parents lived in Ohio and I think it was Thanksgiving and I knew people were going to be around in the morning. And I kept thinking all night about that game and about how I wanted to play it again in the morning. And I couldn't <laughs> sleep because I was so excited about playing it again. And yeah. this game had and it's so insane to think about that with the game King of Tokyo. Like, I don't know why it, triggered the neurons in my brain to be like that like oh man this game with the green cubes and buying powers and oh my gosh it's so good like i don't know why (laughs) it did that to me but it did and this game did the same thing and it was in a much more somber way a much more intense way almost because right it felt like i was in 
Germany in 1938, 37, 36, something like that. And it felt like I was really deeply empathizing with this resistance movement that they had there. And you saw like how the game does such a good job of just making you feel, just feel what it's like to be a part of this resistance movement. And you're giving up everything. You're risking your whole life in order to try and, you know, help these people out and trying to kill Hitler because you know he's evil. And the just the way how the game this does this thing of like these event cards make waves of hope and anguish just come through you as you play the game. It's just I don't know. I've never played a cooperative game that I think is better than this one. It does wow. a lot of the mechanical stuff that Pandemic does where you pick three actions on your turn and do them and you have slight player powers. But it does so much more than that. So there's exploration where you're trying to find items and you keep items on you. And at the same time, you're balancing these two things. One is your motivation. How motivated are you to, you know, be a part of the cause? And if you can get up to reckless motivation, you can pull off some crazy plots, like just being a lone gunman that's going to go up and shoot Hitler. Um, but if you've got, you know, better motivation at different times, you have different powers that you unlock that you're able to do. So you want to try and get your motivation really high, but with motivation, a lot of times comes your suspicion. And if your suspicion's too high, then your odds of getting caught are always much higher. Um, and there's actually raids that happen. The Gestapo goes out and tries to find you. And if your suspicion's at the highest level, you automatically get incarcerated. And then if you're in prison, then someone's got to try and break you out. But they can't really break you out if their suspicion's high. And, um, and bad things happen. You get interrogated. And you feel like you're going through this whole experience. You feel like I'm I'm Bonhoeffer. And I'm, you know, this Christian man who's torn apart by, like, my my desire to save millions versus kill one, you know, and like this just difficult decision that he had to go through. And just, you just feel like, I, I feel like, honestly, I understood what it was like to be in Germany during world war two in a much more three dimensional way after playing that game than I ever have from any documentary or history class I ever sat in. It just wow. was a really great game to play from that standpoint. So I know you're not a theme guy, but I'm pretty sure that you'll feel the theme in this one just because those event cards are all historical events and the way how he has them work with the mechanics in the game is genius. Um, so like there's the Nuremberg peace rally. So, you know, after, I think it was after he, you know, took Poland, he had a peace rally. Well, how scumbaggy is that? But it makes his military power drop. But at the same time, you know, it impacts you to like, if you can be at the Nuremberg peace rally, your suspicion drops because it seems like you're a part of the cause of the Nazis, you know, and just, um, all these different sergeants and, or lieutenants or whatever you want to call them. Um, move around the board and they do different things and just the way how everything interacts together. It's honestly, it's a masterpiece of a game. Um, and I am really surprised this game hasn't gotten more buzz. I, I don't know why it hasn't. It just, it's not accessible to everyone because of the theme. I get that. Right, right. Yeah. It's not accessible to everyone because it is a little heavier than pandemic. But this is something that I think everybody who's a, uh, everybody who's a, a more of a gamer, um, and they want to play something cooperative, I would absolutely wholeheartedly suggest this game. It's just, and the mechanics on it are so good too. I mean, beyond all this. So just a great game. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not particularly into theme, but when it comes to a co-op game, I love theme. So one of my favorite co-op games of all time is freedom, the underground railroad. Mm. And it's, it's the same situation. Like you have these cubes and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to get the slaves from, 
to the south, up into Canada, all the while avoiding the slave catchers. And then the slave catchers come and they either kill your cubes or send them back. And you feel terrible. Like, it's just like human lives that you're just throwing away because you're not playing correctly. And it's, it's terrible. And a good thematic co-op game is way is a great game to play. There are very few co-op games that I'll play, but all of them are super thematic and awesome. And I definitely want to check this one out for sure. And the other thing that's really cool about this game, like two other really just cool things that I definitely feel like I need to mention is you can get all of your plans together. Like you can totally get all of your plans together, have everything ready to go. So you have all the essential items you need to roll. Basically, when you do a plot, you roll die and you're trying to get a certain number of successes. And then you can actually get items too that let you reroll some die. And then you have the items, these items that are going to help you with the plot. So like if you're trying to poison them, you obviously need poison and you might need a map and you need Hitler to be in a certain location and you need a badge. So all these things have to line up for you to get access to Hitler and then poison him. So all those things could be in place. And you could even have some of those things that say like, hey, reroll some of these failures or whatever to try and make your chances better. But like one, there's a chance that you just, it won't work out, which I think is thematic because things happen in life that make things just not work out. And then right. the second thing is if they're, if Hitler's military strength is at its peak because of the event cards that are happening, you can't, there's no way you can't do it. Like I think the most I've ever seen that you can roll die in that game is maybe like six die and Hitler's military power can get up to seven. So you have to roll successes in excess of his military power. So, I mean, it depends on both how like Hitler is doing for being protected and guarded and how much, you know, he has the support of the German people versus how well you're doing. So it really does feel like you're fighting an opponent too, which is crazy. So like you have to wait for the right opportunity and for them to be weaker and you can, and then the other thing I want to mention too is it, this is something that I've never seen in a co-op game, which is like a push your luck kind of thing. So before you're, you're, you get three actions. Okay. And so, um, you roll, you roll these die and each die that you roll on a conspiracy or a conspiring roll counts as an action. So like I've got three standard actions. I roll three dice. Well, if one of the bad symbols, the eagle type looking Nazi symbol comes up, my suspicions are like, like aroused and like I go up and, um, and I think I used the wrong word there. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then if you roll the, uh, if you roll the like crosshairs, then, um, you basically move up, um, your motivation or no, you don't move your motivation. You, you eventually will weaken the, the military because you've made enough of a conspiracy come out and be true. And, um, and then you also like would also motivate someone else in the party. So you can use that to motivate somebody to be like, yeah, this stuff is messed up that they're doing. And so like, but then the other thing too is there's numbers on each side of those die. So those die remind me almost of a King of Tokyo die because they have one, two, three, two successes, one failure on each side. Well, then whatever the number is that it shows on the die are the number of actions you get. So there were times when I would roll the die and I wouldn't get any of the crosshairs, but I get like a three, a three, and a two. So now all of a sudden I have eight actions in one turn, which is pretty awesome too. So yeah, is, there's definitely awesome. a push your luck kind of thing there because it's like you're giving up your actions and you're giving up your potential like um, your potential like being able to fit in and not be suspected um, in order to try and like help the cause of your whole team, but also potentially get back some additional actions. So that's just a cool mechanic in the game also. So I don't know. I can't suggest this one enough. I've talked about it for five minutes now because I absolutely do love it. It's a great game. Um, so, and it's, I'm going to tell you right now, like if you're listening to this 
in March of 2018, like, and you think it sounds like something you'd want to get, I would probably suggest getting it because it's it's done through Game Salute, um, and they're notorious for like small batches of games coming out. So it sometimes is months between chances to get these games. Um, so I hope they printed a bunch, but I I don't know. It wasn't a popular enough game, I don't think, for them to have printed, you know, a hundred thousand copies or something. So. Um, it might be, it might be one of those games that's not around for a long time before it sells out again. So something to think about if you are way compelled by this game. So anyway. Yeah. It's, it's criminal that they're not, that this game isn't as popular, more popular than it is. It's ridiculous. I I mean, Rado played it. He loved it. All the people who got it from the first Kickstarter loved it. Um, it's gets every time I've never heard a bad review of this game ever. I've watched like, you know, 10 maybe and everybody loves it. So it's just criminal that they're not printing these or it's not as popular as it is i i don't know i don't get it i don't either and the other thing too is i bought this game i would say 50 percent based on the amazing reviews um 20 percent based on my like love of history and then like maybe 20 percent on uh on like how much I love Philip DeBerry as a designer and as a person. Like he just seems by all accounts to be an amazing person and his designs are always just underrated. I mean, every game that he has is good. I mean, I I don't know. I guess Battle Cruisers might not be great because I bought a copy for three bucks and it's a $30 game. But I mean, right, like, yeah. <laughs> I haven't played it yet, so I can't tell you either way. But I know Revolution, we rave about all the time. Um Cordier is another good game of his. You you love Spirits of the Rice Patty. Um yep. or Spirits of the, is it Rice Patty or is it just Patty? Yeah. Spirits of the Rice Patty. Uh, yeah. And yeah. then and then uh Kingdom of Solomon is another one that I think you like as well too. I've never played yep. that one either. It's but, very good. Yeah, I mean so I don't know. He just he's very like just one of those indie rock bands of game designers, I think. You know what I mean? Like Yep. I try to say that about about Feaster, but I think I I think Feaster is like Arcade Fire, and like, I think uh, I think Philip DeBerry's clap your hands say yeah. You know, I mean, like, so Feaster has right, mainstream yeah. success, but like, I don't know, people who really know like connoisseurs know DeBerry's good. So, all that said, we're gonna have an interview with the guy here in a couple weeks. So keep keep your eyes open for that. So yep, that w- that we will. Anyway, well, I raved for seriously nine minutes or something about that game. It was <laughs> it was worth it because that game is awesome. Like. <laughs> You heard right. it here. It's just a great game. Jason, what are we talking about this week? All right. So we're talking about, looks like our top five games that we both own and why we own them. So these are games that you and I both have in our collection and we play games together fairly often. I mean, a few times a year, um, yep. ho- hopefully more. I mean, as time goes by and the uh the teleportation machine is invented but i mean (laughs) as much as geography allows we play together but why are these games so good that we both feel like we need to own a copy why can't we just wait until the next time we're together to play so i think that's what we're gonna try and explain yep jason why don't you do the first one because i know you love this game i am more than me even yeah i i don't know i do love this game it's a great game all right so the first game is revolution exclamation point Exclamation point. That is correct. Um, this is another Philip DeBerry game that we've raved about on multiple episodes. Uh, I don't know. This game is just one of those games that it's super easy to teach. It's super easy to play, but it's the actual 
playing and the reactions of other people while you're playing that makes this game amazing. I I agree. This game's one of those games that you can learn in like a minute or two. Right, and then yeah. you could play it a hundred times and it's going to go differently every time. And you're not actually playing the mechanics in the game. You're playing the other players. So that's the sign of like a really good game, I think. And I mean, it, for all extensive purposes, is almost abstract because I mean, like, I don't know, like you're putting a cube on a building where you did something and like, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like, I mean, it's not totally abstract, but it's, I don't know. It, it feels like the theme doesn't a hundred percent get through as much as you might think. Um, but it's just a game where it's bidding and just awesome. So, cause we, we played it. We just played it when, when I played role player the same day and everybody, we played a full six player game and everybody was just getting so ticked off because they thought they had something. And then there was this quiet guy that was playing. He'd be like, no, I have force. And then everything you have is just completely irrelevant. <laughs> it was awesome. It's the best when uh, you play with vindictive people too. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite memory is and it ended up working out really well for her actually is katie was just like i am gonna stop this guy from getting those free points every time i don't care what it costs i'll ruin my own game to ruin his i don't care and then she ended up getting second place because she like yeah the strategy was true. pretty viable so yeah yeah it's it's an amazing game and i recommend everyone to play it at least one time you may hate yep. it but you're gonna have fun playing it even if you don't like the game you're still gonna have fun it's tense. I'll say that. That's the thing I really like about it. Why it keeps a place in my collection is that it has like you're you're involved in it. Like there's simultaneous action selection. You reveal things and then you do it again. And so there's not a ton of downtime, no matter how many players are in it. And when right. you do that big reveal, it's like it's like uh, I don't know. It's like opening a present on Christmas morning. Like what's inside this? You know what I mean? Like did I get it? You know? <laughs> yeah. And 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 then like at the same time, you're hoping that like everyone else didn't get what they wanted for Christmas. So I don't know. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a cool game though, for sure. It is. It's Absolutely amazing for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm happy to own this one. It's not going anywhere for my collection. And this is one too. It's a, it's a PDB game, Philip DeBerry, but ugliest box in the world from a company that doesn't normally make games like this. So that's why I think it's not like you said you use this as your go-to gateway game is what you think now. I oh, think yeah, it would. For I think sure. it would be a go-to gateway gamer. I think there'd be games based on it, just because it's. I can't think of another game really like it. Honestly, um, no. it's like a trick-taking game meets auction meets area control. I don't know. It's just a good game, and I think if it yeah. were published by a game that would have done something with the art to make it a little more appealing, instead of just having like a big black envelope, a red fist and a coin on the front of it. And in bigger letters than the name of the game saying Steve Jackson games. Like, I think it would have probably sold better. So <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah. I think people thought it was a Munchkin expansion probably or something. I don't know. So anyway, yeah, probably there, there's, there's one review of this game on, uh, on board game geek that says one, one, it gave it a one rating. And he said, of course, Steve Jackson put this game out. This game's entirely based on how you bid. Well, yeah, it's a bidding game. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like every Reiner Knizia game. Yeah, right. <laughs> Except for like every chit doesn't have a number on it that you have to add to another number on a yeah, on a diagram that you have re- reference on the rule book. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all that's right, funny. our our next one's Grand Austria Hotel. This is one that Jason introduced to me, and then I ended up picking it up. Um, oh, yeah. I think I wanted it because I've never been beat so badly at a game before and enjoyed it as that one. So, oh yeah, 
It's amazing. I absolutely got destroyed by your wife and you got destroyed too. And like you told me beforehand, like she was kind of like pulling ahead a little bit and you're like, we're playing for second place. She's going to lap us. Like she will beat us by about a <laughs> yep. hundred points. And she absolutely did. Like she, she did. lapped us. I'm pretty sure. So, but Grand Austria Hotel is a cool game. It looks like there's a lot going on on the board. It looks like there's just a ton there, but it's really one of those games that once you figure out some of the symbols and things, there's, it's not incredibly hard. But it's definitely got that whole, like, there's a billion ways to score points in this game, too. And your wife knows how to do them all at once. So that's, I think, why she's amazing at it. Yeah, I can't ever figure. I get single focus. So I'm like, oh, I need to build rooms. Then I build rooms. Uh, I need to get some people in my room. And then I have 12 points. She has, like, 300. I'm like, dang, dude. Yeah, I that's get focused on everything when I play it. But then there's, like, one piece I'll forget. So I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I, I need to get this green guy completed. And then I'm like... I don't have any rooms open. What the heck? Like, I can't even do this anyway. So, yeah, like, I just tough. miss one piece in the machine and just totally lose. But it's yeah. uh, it's fun, man. It's a fun game. Uh, and it's it's kind of cool because, like, the Grand Astro Hotel is a real thing. And it really feels like – it feels like you're playing a Wes Anderson movie is what it feels like, honestly, too, a little bit. Like, with the yeah. formality of, like, the old-timey hotel and just it's a cool theme, too. Right. And the theme comes through a little on this one. Yeah, a little. I mean – as much as a board game comes through, I think. But, and it has the dice drafting mechanism, which is pretty awesome. And not a ton of games do it that way, which I kind of dig. And it's interesting how you have to take a die to do an action. So that's fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I don't know. It's one that, it's maybe something that you would go to. As one of those next games, it's not light. It's not something that you'd play first game with someone who played the game of life as a kid and you want to introduce them to heavier games. I wouldn't play this with them next, but it's not something that you'd have to like. It's not like uh, Galarist or something where someone has to have played six other games to mastery level in order to understand how the mechanics are going to work together. I think it's <laughs> right. Yeah. It's fairly yeah. accessible. So yeah, that I was agree. not going anywhere out of my collection either. Is there any expansions for this game? I don't think so. It's just, it's Are amazing how it is. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, like, I don't know what they would add to it, but I would, I, and the other thing too is like, I've seen some pretty bad reviews from other people. I don't understand why people didn't like it. It feels like a pretty good game to me. So yeah, I, I don't know why either, unless they played it at four player every time, which oh. I would rather, <laughs> I'd rather get run up, run over by a truck. <laughs> yeah. So the snake draft <laughs> thing on the dice. Yeah. yeah. If you play with four players and you're the one eight selection, like you can play a game of Machi Koro between your two turns, roughly. So <laughs> you can't. It's horrible. Yeah. Two and three though, it's amazing. Two and three, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think I think this game might shine at two players the best, honestly. So um yep. really good game though. And it's not going anywhere out of my collection. I really love it. And you introduced it to me, so that's one that we both love and it's not going anywhere. All right. The next one is from your boy, uh, Jamie S. Yes. And it is Viticulture, which you introduced to me and I love it. And my buddy bought it and left it here and I played a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Do not ever give it back to him. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's his game. So, I mean. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if the court of law would see it that way. <laughs> I don't see it that way, but he may. There's no serial number on it. <laughs> That's true. No, it's one of those games, too, that it's awesome. 
Um, and then Tuscany just makes it better. But I think even just playing base viticulture for a while at least is really okay. Even um, I think once you play Tuscany a few times, you're not going to want to go back to base necessarily. But right. you don't know what you're missing out on until you go to it. So you might as well play that two-season board for a while and enjoy it before you move to the four-season board. I totally think that's the way you should do it. Yeah, well, I played Tuscany. I learned it with you with Tuscany. And I've just been playing regular because I only have regular. And I'm still having a blast with it. So yeah, it, it's, it's th- a great game. I think the Essential Edition is kind of a huge deal, too. Like, I think when that for, if that game would have come out at Essential Edition, it would have had buzz beyond buzz um but like with the essential edition they definitely added um the grande worker was essential worker was essential edition that was originally a tuscany thing and um the mama and papa cards are for sure one of the modules from the uh from tuscany um and i can't imagine playing without those for sure um that grande worker is just so important so to make the game just feel complete so I don't know. I, Viticulture is a great game, though. I'm not going anywhere out of my collection either. Yeah, we we actually let some a, a lady that works with my wife borrow it, and she's only ever played Bob Ross and like Ticket to Ride. Yeah, and she loved it. Like they watched videos on it, they learned to play it. She they had some friends over, they drank some wine, they played Viticulture, and she loved it. So I mean, that's how good of a game it is. It's even accessible to people who aren't really gamers. I mean, it's a great game. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's as smooth of a medium weight. Worker placement game as you can find for sure. Well, next, we this is we have the same game, slightly different names. Mine's called Bruges. Yours is Rug. I don't know how to say <laughs> yours, right, but yeah. it's the German version of Bruges. Yeah, <laughs> but this is one that I. This is again criminal that I. I guess you can't constantly keep everyone of Stefan Feld's games, every one of his sexy games, in publishing all the time, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Like this, this is one, one that this one I, can't, should be. I can't understand why they like let it lapse on being printed. And I don't understand why there's not like an immediate outcry to have it reprinted. Um, maybe this one wasn't as popular as like some of the other ones that were coming out at the same time. I know this was kind of in the shadow of Trajan maybe a little bit, but Bruges is just an amazing game. Bruges is a thousand times better than Trajan. It's not even close. <laughs> I mean, Tra- Trajan's box may be bigger. So yeah, it would physically be in the shadow. But Bruges is far superior. The card play is way better. The mechanisms are way better. It's cleaner. It's so much simpler to teach than Trajan is. It takes half the time. It's it's incredible. I, I think the other thing is um, if you wanted to introduce someone to the term point salad, like you said, hey, what's point salad mean when people say that? Like Bruges is one that you could definitely be like, this is a good point salad. Like, cause there's just so many different ways to score points in that game. There's so many ways to use different parts of the game together. Like, how right. are we going to use the cards to either be houses or am I going to use them as their face value or how I'm going to do that? And then you've got the canal. You can't ignore the canal and just all the different, or is it a wall? Whatever you're building there. Um, it's a canal. It's a canal, I think. Not that it matters because it's... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right? It's yeah. a little blue piece that you put on the board, yeah. The blue piece that goes in that track with points on it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's got a lot going on with it, but it's a good game for sure. Yeah, of all the Feld games, uh, it might not be my favorite, but it's close. It's really close. Yeah, it's, uh, it's my go-to Feld. It's the one that I keep in my collection. Um, I'm trying to think if I own another Feld right now. I don't think I do. I was close to buying Luna on closeout, but I haven't 
I think Bridge is the only one in my collection right now that's a Feld game, which is I a crying lots. shame because I yeah. mean Notre Dame and In the Year of the Dragon are both like under twenty five bucks on Amazon. So, have you played In the Year of the Dragon? I haven't. I like. I'm kind of surprised you like it. Well, oh, no, dude, I'm I not, love it because it's a it's punishing, cruel game, and yeah. those are your favorite kind. Yeah, like, it's my favorite one. I love it. Everyone I've talked to that's played that game says, you're going to feel like you're doing really badly. Just do less <laughs> yeah. badly than everyone else. Like, that's how you win yep. this game. That's so. true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. All right. Um, so we'll move on from Sexy Steffenfeld, and we'll go into um, some Vikings. And we both own Champions of Midgard. Yes, we do. Absolutely. And I... I have the fancy play mat that can put both of the uh, expansions on it, and I have both expansions. And I got to say, I think with at least one of the expansions, this game is amazing. With just base game, it's good, but with the Valhalla expansion, it is incredible. I don't have the Dark Mountain. I think you, you've got that one, right? Right. Yeah, it doesn't add any new mechanisms, really. It just adds another die, and another color of die, and some extra guys you can fight. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I, I played Champs. Uh, uh, I played it when I first got it. I liked it, and I was like, okay, this is... I can see it as a lateral move with Lords of Waterdeep, and it puts dice in it and kind of is a little more engaging and fun. But I'll hang on to Waterdeep because it's it's a smooth game too. Right, yeah, and that's they, true. They constantly get compared. I think it's because they've got that vertical board for one thing, but like, <laughs> I think right, just, yeah. I don't know, the idea of recruiting people at different places is, is kind of a present both. But then um, I went ahead and got Valhalla because I think you amongst a bunch of other people said Valhalla takes what is a good game and puts it into an upper tier. Um, and I have Valhalla and I figured out a way to get it to fit in my base game box somehow miraculously enough. Um, I have, I have everything in my base game box. Do you? Yeah. I put well, a I Plano box in mine. So I think that's probably why I'm having a hard time. Yeah. I threw away the insert, so it's just all hanging out in there. But Yeah, same. Um, but Valhalla, I haven't actually played Valhalla yet. And so everyone says, man, you're going to love this game so much more when you play with Valhalla. But I don't know. Like, I think part of why I love Champions of Midgard is because it's so, like, it's pretty streamlined. And it feels like Valhalla adds more to it or enough to it that it's going to be a little bit, like, not convoluted, but it feels like it's going to have a lot to it that you've got to remember that it might not be totally accessible to beginners. And when I yeah. say that, most people scoff and go, you're an idiot. This game's awesome with Valhalla. Yeah, I mean, Valhalla may make it a little fiddlier, but it makes... The thing that I hated about Champions of Midgard was I would always get my dice killed. Then I'd have to waste three turns getting more dice so I could go fight a dude. Now, if a, a, die, a die gets killed, I can take it to Valhalla and get some tokens that I can spend for other things to help me get more, fight more baddies. So it makes me feel like I'm actually doing more with my turn, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the first time I played Champions of Midgard, I played it wrong um, in a way that's like such a variant that I'm going to publish it on Board Game Geek. It's going to be the feel awesome about yourself variant of the game um, <laughs> where like your Vikings attack first and then the monster attacks if the monster's still alive. Like, oh, not, I got not, simu not simultaneous. So like the oh, simultaneous yeah. thing, like where you always die. I was like, okay, now I get why it would be good to have like dying being a little bit more rewarding. So I understood Valhalla a lot more after that for right, sure. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, so this is our fifth pick in our games. We both own uh, Jason. You want to go through our honorable mentions real fast. The other games that we have crossover on and we can just maybe say a sentence about each one. 
Sure. Okay. So first on the list is Shakespeare, which bought I think it, you picked up bought on my it recommendation. Blindly on your recommendation and your wife's recommendation. I still haven't played it. So that's why I didn't make it on the list yet. You should. It's great. Um, next is Istanbul, which oh, I bought awesome. on, on your recommendation. And an I have awesome played game. it a lot. Yeah. I played it a lot and it's amazing. That one would be close to kicking. That might be our six. Maybe if we put six on there, if I had to guess. Yeah, it may it may actually bump out like um, as a game. Probably it's probably better than Revolution, but I like Revolution a little better just because it's more you know the interaction with people is more fun. Yeah, it's an amazing game. Um, next is Royals, which I think you and I are the only people who own a copy of this game. Honestly, dude, I, this game is amazing. It like, is. It's an area area control game, but like Ticket to Ride style. So instead of making routes with trains, you're putting cubes on areas. It's so fun. It's like Ticket to Ride if there was an extra deck in Ticket to Ride that was called the Dynamite deck and like you could blow up other people's trains. Like <laughs> right, yeah. that's kind of what it is. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a little meaner, fun. but it's cool. I mean like and it definitely is one that I just don't understand. I don't know. I seriously don't see people talking about this game or playing it like at all. And it's excellent. So you and I own two of four copies that sold in the United States, I think. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just because it's older than a year, so nobody wants to play it anymore. Could, could be, could be. Uh, the next one is Seven Wonders Duel, which is, in my opinion, the far superior version of Seven Wonders. I'll agree. It has that like ma- like computer game, Mahjong-style game, where like, you uncover yeah. things kind of thing going on, which is really a, a cool extra mechanic. Yeah, so good. Uh, next, we have Commissioned, which is um, a religious theme game, which is like reverse pandemic. You're spreading cubes around the map instead of getting rid of them. With like Great sne- game. very light deck backing, very light deck building, very light player powers kind of thing going on too. That's uh, true. Which yeah, I think I, adds to it a little bit. Yeah, I forgot about the deck building actually, and that well, little die that yeah, it, it's deck building if you consider building ten cards a deck. I don't know. <laughs> that's true, and the little die you can roll that might not let you talk to people the whole round. That's kind of interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next is Code Names, which is a party game. It's all the rage. We probably don't need to talk about that one a ton. We both own it because I think everyone owns it in the world. Period. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, next is my favorite Mancala game, Five Tribes. Mine too. Excellent game. This one doesn't hit the table enough for me. Um, I'd like to get the expansions for this at some point, but I'm still enough interested in the base game uh, that I haven't done that. And this one I haven't played in almost a year, probably. I need to get it out and play it again. Excellent game. Yeah, it's been a while for me just because I normally play it too, and it's not that great at two. Yeah. Um, next is Le Havre, which is my favorite Uve game. Same. Maybe. It, uh, Agricola may be higher, but I do like Le Havre a lot. I, I like Le Havre just a fuzz better than um, Caverna or Agricola. Um, just a fuzz more. Just I don't know. It could just be too that like the hipster part of me wants to play the game that people don't talk about that much. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Next is Lords of Waterdeep, which is the non dice version of Champions of Midgard, which we discussed earlier. <laughs> that's a fair way to put it. Plus, you can build things. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the only true. other thing that's kind of cool is, and it has it's notorious for having the most well intentioned, worst executed box insert ever. <laughs> Yeah, everything gets stuck in there. I can't ever get it out. Yeah. That's and then try jerks. and turn that sucker on its side. Forget it, man. Like everything will oh, just yeah. literally pour out of the box because the lid's so shallow on it. <laughs> that's like, true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, we'll skip this next one because I don't want to talk about it. Uh, Mystery of the Abbey. <laughs> Another is... good one. 
a great game. It's we a clue killer for sure. We won't talk too much about it because people get mad when we talk about games that <laughs> you won't be able to find unless you sacrifice your firstborn son to buy it. Yeah, and if you can't get that, I feel sorry for you, but not enough to get rid of my copy. So it's it's one that you should probably check your FLGS friendly local game shop to just see like if there's a dusty copy in the back because it's worth having and it's not worth the hundred bucks that it's going for right now on different outlets. Um, next is Smash Up, which I have a ton of expansions. I never play it anymore, but I still like it, and I would play it. I just don't. Yeah, it's one of those ones, too, that, like, I think everyone has a Smash Up season in their life where it's like, hey, this is kind of fun. <laughs> Look at this. The zombie ghost unicorns are eating your jack-o'-lantern <laughs> robot babies. I don't know. It's just funny. I mean, it's I do cool. Have- I do have the My Little Pony set, and I love playing with that one. I have I that one, too. That one is great. It's so funny. It feels yeah, really so overpowered, fun. honestly. Like, Yeah, I agree. It feels game-breakingly powerful. And, you know, I think <laughs> I may have just come up with a cool variant. Like, I think we need to try this. So next time I play this game, I'm going to shuffle three factions together. Like, I think I'm going to try that and see what it does. Oh, that could be cool, actually. Yeah. Who says you can't do that? Rule schmules. We're going to both have, like, a, like white... Uh, Magic the Gathering like sleeve box of deck of every faction that we can think of shuffled together next time we play, which would be kind of cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, next we have Unfair, which yes. I think you picked up because I talked about it Absolutely. and I really like it. We never even played it, but you like were like, man, it's really good, and I think you'd like it. And my my friendly local game shop guy had a copy. He said he would give me a good deal on it. And um, it kind of met the need of the game group that I had there that day. So I picked it up to play it that day and I don't regret it. It's a good game. And it wouldn't be a normal um, board game mechanics podcast without mention of our favorite game, Mombasa. We now <laughs> yes. both have a copy of that because I just bought it today. Good man. Good man. <laughs> I, I love camping in Africa. It's the best, man. <laughs> that is true. It really is. Um, uh, unfair, I think, kind of is the same thing as Smash Up too. Like all the different combinations of decks that you can play in that make it just kind of have some good repeat play, repeat playability. But yes, Mombasa, good job. So I love that you own Mombasa because I love Mombasa, 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 Mombasa. <laughs> yep. Oh, and role player too. You own that, right? Yeah, I do. Oh yeah, I got that today too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are both solid picks. Uh cool. Um, so this is going to be, I think I mentioned this earlier, Jason, so I'm not totally springing this one on you, but I think on our Facebook page and on our website, I want to start something called our hall of fame, um, where you and I like solidly endorse a game and we add maybe one a month of just, man, this game's awesome. And we would suggest it to anybody, any age, any group, like we just think it's an amazing game and you won't have regrets buying it. It's just super awesome. And I don't know what our first inductee is going to be, but if you if you go to our Facebook page, um, I'm going to make a promise that I don't know if Jason is behind or not, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out behind the scenes. I mean, like we yell at each other. He like waves guns at me and stuff, and it's okay. It's cool. We get things figured out. <laughs> Yeah, he's, like hundred, he's like hundreds of miles away. I'm like, dude, you're on Skype. Like, don't wave a gun at me over <laughs> Skype. It's stupid. So, yep. Um, but we'll figure out what our first Hall of Fame game is going to be. So look for that on our Facebook page. Um, and speaking of Facebook page, I think we're to the point where we need to do this, Jason. Let me get over here. We, we have the friend raiser up, okay? And so this is for people who have tagged a friend. If you've tagged a friend on a post on our page... I told you this would happen, okay? That you're going to get a, a sweet drop of being a super fan here. 
So, okay, Mike, I don't know how to say your last name. I think it's Picorni. Picorni is what I think it is. Mike Picorni has become our super fan of the week. He has been a champ, but he was the first guy to take us up on this. So thank you, Mike, for being a a super fan. And Jason, you want to shout the other guy's name out? Because it's even harder to pronounce, I think. I got to pull it up. Let me figure it out here. Uh, Matthew Linkowski. There you go. Also gave us some shout outs with some friends that he suggested to our group. So thank you, Matthew. You rock. High five to you. Good, sir. Yeah. Both of you guys. Thank you so much. And I think we're recording pretty close to when the last episode came out. So if you gave us a, uh, gave us a friend caster or a friend raiser, uh, shout out, then just know that you're going to get your shout out in a future episode. And this is going to keep going throughout this month. So if you're hearing this, you're thinking, hey, man, I want to get mentioned on the podcast. I want dozens of people to hear my name. Um, then give us a give us a tag on our Facebook page. Come like us. Say, hey, I'm a friend of the podcast. And I think that insert friend's name here should be a friend as well. So um, do that and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Agreed. And a high five. Highest of fives. Yep. The highest. Even, and even a six maybe. Um, yep. So anyway... Uh, these are games that we both own and why, and we think that you should own them too. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not our business, but anyway, <laughs> oh, do we have a word for this week? We need a word too. Um, you know what I want it to be because it's a little Easter egg from our website from the, from this is why you listen to the very last minute. This is why you listen to minute one. <sighs> 10 hour 10 of the podcast <laughs> it's because you get to hear yeah. the easter eggs so if you looked at our recording post on the facebook page there was a hashtag cbj on there and that was because jason and i were watching the columbus blue jackets in the background during that episode so <laughs> yep i love and they the wanted it was blue awesome yep. so uh yeah so i don't know i don't know if that's going to be our buzz phrase or not but it could just be hockey sure. i don't know so whatever blue jackets hockey nhl something that has to do with that and you're good sounds good i love it because those guys are making a push right now to keep their wild card spot alive and stay in the playoff hunt so and and my boy ian cole from notre dame on the team now he got a goal of that game i think so uh that we were watching yeah i think that that sounds right yeah i think so so all right well Ah! thanks for listening agreed thanks